Hello and welcome to Life After Sunday, a podcast ministry of Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. I'm Ed Petty along with Aaron. Good morning, Aaron. How are you doing, sir? Good morning, Ed. I'm doing fantastic. And we welcome in the studio once again our pastor, Dr. Darren Biles. Good morning, pastor. How are you Good doing? Good morning. I am doing well and glad to be with you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to jump right into it. Today is our part one of we're going to cover another sermon series that pastor preached back in 2022. It's called Living Courageously, and it's a study of the book of Joshua. And again, you can find these sermons. There's actually 11 sermons, and we may talk about that, an odd number there in a little bit. But um, go to our YouTube page, Sunnyvale First Baptist Church, our YouTube page, and you can see those sermons as well as all of his sermons. They are put on there very quickly, and it's a great way to to listen again or listen for the first time. But today we're going to talk about the first six sermons, and we're just going to kind of just ask him some questions and just kind of break it down a little bit and uh, discuss some things. So let's kind of start out with this. Every day for 40 years, years, Joshua woke up and saw a miracle. What was that miracle? Let's talk about it. Yeah, thank you. I I love the study of Joshua. I think I say that every book that we study, which is actually true. But (laughs) I would would hate for you to get up and go. I don't love this one. Yeah, yeah. I'm preaching on John, and I hate this book. Yeah, Yeah. I really like it. I don't like it, but um, we're going to do it anyway. Just for the record, I I really did like this book. But I I love the study of it, mainly because so much of it is, is very personal for Joshua, but it's applicable in our lives. And, mm. and so I was I was really struck as I was working through Joshua chapter 1 about the life of Joshua, the history of Joshua, how he started as the servant for Moses, and then through this, this period in the wilderness for 38 years, and every day he woke up to a miracle where God brought manna supernaturally. They'd never seen it before. It never happened before. And after they got into Canaan, it never happened again. Mm. But every day he woke up to a miracle. And I, I, I wonder, was there a time somewhere in year three, four, five, seven, where it stopped seeming miraculous, that they just got to where they expected right. mm-hmm. another miracle tomorrow? And I was, I was reflecting, remember Jeremiah in Lamentations chapter 3, Every day, God's mercies are new. And the reality is, we all wake up every day to something miraculous God's mm-hmm. done. Yeah. And, and that really struck me as I was thinking about this in, in Joshua's background. He's the longest tenured leader in the Bible. Oh, wow. So he's got this long period, maybe seven decades, where he's, he's the leader. And, and for, for much of his ministry... It's sort of mundane. We're, we're going through the wilderness. The food's the same every day. Uh, we're seeing pretty much the same sights because uh, that wilderness period is pretty limited. And then God brought them into the promised land. And for the rest of his life, Joshua had one task. And, and, and that was the occupation or the conquest of the land mm-hmm. to really complete the task. The one task Moses didn't complete. That was his life. And, and so for, for his life, he, he saw God's goodness, God's grace. And so when, when the text in Joshua begins, it begins sort of abruptly where, where God says, Moses is dead. And, and that's, how the, that's mm-hmm. how the book begins. Hey, Moses is dead. And then God says, now here's what I want you to know. Every place you step, I'm with you. Every place the foot, your foot steps, I'm going to be there with you. I've given it to you. That's part of my promise. And so he began with with that uh, context that, that really led him into 
the, the, the completion of the task that God gave them. So the rest of Joshua chapter 1, really that the, the first nine verses, is building on, for me, that, that context that God led him throughout his life to this moment for this task. Well, you mentioned real quick, you, you mentioned uh, verse nine and, and, you know, a lot of people have a life verse and for many years, you know, I'd hear people talking about life verse. Uh, my kids went to a Christian school and when the seniors would be having their senior day, they would mention their life verse. And I thought I should have a life verse. And mine is actually Joshua one nine, wow. which says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous, do not terrify or dismay. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yeah, Great, great, great words of wisdom that uh, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, as the sermon series is called, Living Courageous, Be Courageous, the God is with you. Yeah, it, I, I like this point that you made. I didn't know that Joshua was the longest tenured um, um, leading in, mm-hmm. in Israel's history. And it just made me think about being a king in Israel. Dis- <laughs> didn't seem to be a great job to have because mm-hmm. you, you rule for a little bit <laughs> and then you either get ransacked and taken Executed. into captivity or yeah. you die or right. in some way you, you don't live very long. Uh, and yet in those times in Israel's history, when they have Kings, they're all, they're kind of times of, of complacency where mm. they're not going out and conquering like Joshua had to They right. They already have the land. And so they're living in, well, I'll use air quotes here because you know, listening, you can't see it, but in, in times of comfort almost. Right. right? right. But with Joshua's sense, it's no, you're going to, you're going to, be in war for a long time, and yet he lived through all of that, mm-hmm. and so did most of the people, and they went and conquered as long as they lived in obedience, and they did what God had called them to do, and he he has the longest tenured um, leadership in Israel's history, and that that's an interesting, I'm, I'm thinking through that now of, of his obedience and uh, walking in that, and God allowing him through his obedience to him, even though the task he was called to do was very difficult, mm-hmm. he he he's, he leads Israel the longest time period that Israel's ever seen. Yeah, and to your point, it's not really a glamorous task. You're just going to walk into this land, and you're just going to fight for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and when you get this spot, you're going to go help somebody else get that spot, and then you're just going to keep doing that until God says that's enough, and that's how he spends the rest of his life. And, and so it makes sense to the uh, verse that, Ed just cited in in verse 9, be strong and courageous was the refrain that Joshua heard. It's it's three times in this, the first nine verses of Joshua 1, but he actually heard it six times. So twice in Deuteronomy 31, Moses, who was departing, said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Three times in Joshua 1, God says, be strong and courageous. And then one time when you get to the end of Joshua chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, the people say to Joshua, be strong and courageous. So six times he heard this message, be strong and courageous. Mm-hmm. And at some point it starts to sink in. He's going to need that. He's he's going to need to be courageous for this task yeah. that God gave him. Does God speak to Joshua before Moses dies? Yeah, there's a there's a great passage when the Bible says in in, uh, uh, in Exodus chapter 32, when when. Moses went into the tabernacle, mm-hmm. and that's when Moses's countenance changed. And then Moses would leave the tabernacle and go out to the people. And the Bible says that Joshua stayed in the tabernacle. Right. And and now we don't have a lot of details about what happened there. But when Moses was going out speaking to the people, Joshua was there, and and that's where I believe Joshua 
uh, heard from the Lord, mm-hmm. where, where you see Joshua maybe being uh, uh, encouraged in his faith or shown, you know, this is the plan that I have for you. It's not time yet. Right. You know, right now you're you're a servant for Moses, but there's going to come a day. And I think that's where you see the beginning of, of Joshua's faithfulness. Yeah, that's good. Something that's really hard that you mentioned just a minute ago I was thinking about is, you know, so many times, especially as a kid, when somebody tells you, hey, I need you to do this. Well, how long do you want me to do it till I tell you to stop? And and here God is, like you said, telling Joshua, you go do this till I tell you to stop. And yet he had faith and still did it. Yeah, and the one thing that, that God said to Joshua in this chapter is, you stay faithful to my word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You, yeah. you, that This mm-hmm. is what you need. This is all that you need. Right. So you meditate on it day and night. I'll give you success. Well, you stay focused to my word. Right. So in coming to Joshua 2, uh, there, there was a pause in, in God's necessary judgment. So talk, walk us through that again and, and, and what that is. This is a fun chapter about a, a, a woman who receives the grace of the Lord in unexpected ways. We, we know about Rahab. We, we, mm-hmm. we see Rahab in the lineage of Christ, but it's unexpected because what happens is they're in the process of coming into the land that God gave them, and they encounter a Canaanite prostitute. They, they encounter this woman who, who has a questionable past, and somehow God pauses what's going to be the conquest of the city of Jericho in order to extend grace to her. And that's, that's what I love about this story. So backstory is Joshua sends spies into the land. He sent two. Remember, Moses sent, uh, Moses sent 12, and that didn't work out so well. So Joshua <laughs> sent two. And he gave them instructions, go spy out the land. That was their instruction, go spy out all the land. They didn't really do that. What they did is they went to one house, yeah. and and clearly she lives or lived in the wall. So yeah. so they didn't even get to see the city. They saw her house. They get to her house, and and she says, "Look, we we know God. God's already given you the city." And and then she protects them. Mm-hmm. She she saves their life, and and so they go back. To Joshua, having never done what. Joshua told them to do. So they began their journey following Joshua's instructions. They ended their journey following Rahab's instructions. And what happened was she begins to realize or reveal to them that we know God gave you our land. Now, how she knew that, we, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the remarkable thing about this story for me is that God extended grace to her. Now, uh, the reality is we are all undeserving of God's grace. Right, right. It just it's just highlighted here about this story of this remarkable woman who has a questionable past, and God loved her enough mm-hmm. to pause judgment long enough for her to receive grace, and that's yeah. that's the the great picture. She eventually marries into the Israelite uh, uh, community and 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 comes into the lineage of Christ, which is which is a fascinating story mm-hmm. of of God's grace and. And so, uh, in in simultaneously in this story, you've got God's grace to Rahab, and then you've got these two spies, who who come to this this land with with what they thought was a task to spy out the land, and then God sort of interrupts their plans, and they end up kind of hiding in the rooftop, and then somehow through that they recognize, we believe like she believes, God gave us the city. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, Rahab is one of my in in Joshua one of my favorite stories because she when she recognizes who the spies are in the sense of like oh you're you're Israelites you're Hebrews I have heard about what happened and somehow news it seems as if from Egypt has gotten from Egypt to Jericho before Israel gets there yep. and so they know Yahweh and what he did to Pharaoh and all of that land. And so she's like, she's like, I, I want to be on this team and however it is I can do that. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and she did exactly what we talk about. Yeah. When, we, when we talk about what salvation means, yeah. she heard about God, mm-hmm. she trusted in God and she acted on her faith, right? Which is in reality, the very same thing that all of us are called to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. She heard about God. She believed and she acted on her faith. Yeah. That's what salvation means. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's, it's awesome to me that with Rahab, it's the first location that Israel gets to after getting on the, the, the command to go and take the land and drive everyone out of it. And yet they come to Jericho, and they have Rahab who's there, and she's a Gentile who comes into faith in God. Right. As if already explaining to Israel from God that the Gentiles are supposed to be a part of this right. also, and they will be included in what in the work that I'm going to do moving forward. Yeah, I think that's a great thought, that at the very beginning, even before they are officially in the land, mm-hmm. God reveals to them that his plan includes more than just them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's for the world. Yeah. And, and yeah. So moving on to chapter 3, uh, this is where Israel crosses the Jordan. Now, the title of your sermon there when we uh, when you preached on chapter 3 was called The Impassable River and the Untrodden Path. Explain what you meant there. Yeah, I was trying to highlight two different things that are going on as they're crossing the Jordan River, uh, which in itself is is a remarkable, miraculous moment where, where God brought them through a river during high tide season. So that was the Impassable River. So you're coming to this river at the, the highest peak of of, of flood stage. And so uh, it's probably cold water because it's snow melting off from Mount Hermon and flowing Mm -hmm. down. So it's water cold and it's on high tide season. So this is an impassable river. But along with that, God says to them, you're going into a land that you've never been before. You've never walked this path before. Mm -hmm. So no one but God is there to guide you. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean about the untrodden path. So you're coming across a river, which is an obstacle, but even when you cross that river, you're coming into a land and you don't know where you're going. So what do you do when I can't get across this obstacle, and Mm -hmm. even if I could, I don't know where I'm going? And that was the the picture of this in in, in Joshua chapter 3, where God was calling on them, demanding of them that they rely on, on him. You're not going to get into the land, and even if you get into the land, you're not going to know where you're going unless you follow my instructions. That was the that was the one refrain that God was trying to get to them. So what do you do when you're facing something that only God can see me through? That, mm-hmm. that was the picture that I wanted to right. try to apply mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. If I face, you know, I, I don't swim across the Jordan, um, but, but I face obstacles that only right. God can get me across. Absolutely. And so many times that it does happen that just things we can't, we don't know where we're going. We don't know how we're going to get there, but God can get us there. Yeah. Your point about that this is a land that you've never seen before is, is an interesting thought because I don't even think I think about that when I read through Joshua. I like, you just assume that Israel knows what the land of Canaan is. Right. And yet, if if the path from Jericho 
to Egypt from you know Israel, where Israel would be, to Jericho, down to Egypt is the common path to take, then the last people, the last Hebrew people that would have taken that path would have been Joseph and his family mm-hmm. because they were taken out of Canaan into Egypt for, because of the famine, and that was 400-plus years ago. Right. And so no one in the generations that are now moving up toward Canaan even know what the land looks like. Yeah, you had 12 spies that went into the land, but remember, right. 10, of the, 10 of those died. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, <laughs> Joshua and Caleb arguably have seen the land, Maybe, Yeah. Um, but nobody else there At least has. from the mountain to— Right. Right, yeah, that's, that's good. And so, so what I— what I like about uh, the so not lesson. even Joshua. Joshua doesn't even know what he's getting into, and no, he's the leader. Just, he's like, "Well, just follow me." We're, we're just following <laughs> whatever the Lord says. Well, it's like Abraham. That's right. Yeah. And so when when God calls them to 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 come up to the edge of the water, uh, you know, God says, "Don't just don't just run out there into the water and start swimming. Mm-hmm. I want yeah. you to walk to the edge, and then you stand there." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then watch and see what God does. So you walk yeah. out into the flood stage. Right. God didn't part the water till they stepped in. Uh, you know, it'd been easier for them just stand on the shore and wait until God does it. Right. <laughs> wait for the door to open. Just stop here and wait. no, they walked into the water. They got their feet wet, uh, and then God did something. Yeah. And and so it's 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 a challenge of following God in faith, and and then He talks about being faithful, uh, being pure, cleansing themselves, to wait and see what God's going to do. How many from the Exodus event are left well, at the, this point? Uh, the numbers are, are unclear as you yeah. come out. You've got probably, depending on how you, you find the numbers, you've got 603,000 that the Bible says came out. Okay. Uh, but that that's probably, the way I understand numbers, probably 2 million people that came okay. out. But now, of all of those who came out, everybody over the age of 20, didn't survive the wilderness. Right. So uh, you've got a small number of what was the remnant that's come through, and then the new families that, that were populated in, during the 40-year period. Mm-hmm. So some of them remember uh, Egypt, or, or, well, no, none of them remember Egypt, but they remember stories about it. Okay. Uh, and, and so all they know to this point is... We were just wandering in the wilderness for yeah. a long time. I was just trying to get a picture of being told to stand in the water and wait to see. And so if anyone would recognize, oh, mm-hmm. I remember, or at least oh. a story from right. before right. that the Red Sea Moses and how all this. this. Yeah, 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 exactly. They how they all heard this about happened. It. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They right. heard about it, but they didn't walk through it. So this is right. their own. Yep. Well, it's no it's no different than when you say you heard about it. We hear these Bible stories. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we weren't actually there, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. Um, but you know, it's a great example of, I mean, how many times we, do we just sit back and we wait, okay, God, go ahead and wow. I'm waiting for you to get this door open. I'm mm. waiting for you to clear the path yeah. when really God wants us to, to quote Nike, just do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a fun internet Bible question. Internet's full of random Bible <laughs> questions. Somebody actually texted me as in like phone a friend, you know, cause I guess somebody had asked them the answer to the question. And the question was how many times did God part the water? Okay. And and so I, I, I'm thinking through, and, and so I told him four. And he said, well, that's what a lot of people are saying, but some people are saying five. And well, the four, Moses, Red Sea, Joshua, and then Elijah and Elisha, where God parted the waters uh-huh. for, for both Elijah and Elisha right near Elijah's death. Right, right. So I said four. He said, well, some people are saying five. And and the fifth one is from Genesis chapter one, where God separated the waters uh, from the waters. I was like, okay, all right, sure. If you want to card that? You <laughs> want to include that one? It's five. 
<laughs> but it, this is one of those moments where God did That's something funny. that none of them had ever seen before and, right. and yeah. wouldn't even think about. I'm just going to walk onto that water and, and the water is going to part. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Right. But uh, God said, just walk out into the water. Yeah, I this is a this is gonna be a funny one, but I've I've heard a fifth one too, but it wasn't Genesis one. It was it was a guy talking about Jesus's birth, and I was just like, oh. I'm out on that man. <laughs> I'm I'm done with here. <laughs> I haven't heard that. one. He went on a tangent about part of the. I was like, that's weird. Let's not do that, please. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> moving on to chapter four. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> oh, that's me. Okay. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> Still stuck on the water. Uh, still stuck. Question. Yeah. Now I'm. Now I got to. Anyway. So moving to the next sermon in Joshua chapter four, um, you, you you made this point about God is not just on the History Channel. Yeah. What I was trying to convey about Joshua chapter four is that faith is intended to be active. It's intended to be alive, um, and and to the mm-hmm. point that we were just talking about in Joshua chapter three, the Israelites heard about what God did in Egypt, in the wilderness. People in Jericho heard about what God did. But here, God is trying to personalize their faith. And I, I want you. I want this to be practical. I want this to be memorable. And so what you have in Joshua chapter 4 is the establishment of these memorial stones. And there's really two different monuments that Joshua set up, one in the Jordan, one on the shore. And so I talked about stones on the bed and on the bank. So they're in the bed mm-hmm. of the river, and they're on the bank, the shore, and there's two sets of monuments there. So Joshua set up one in the Jordan while the waters were parted. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. just hang, you guys just hang out here for a minute, and, and I'm going to just set up this monument before the water comes back. Mm-hmm. So he sets up these stones, and, and, and the picture is Joshua did that. Mm-hmm. And then he's got, you know, 12 guys, pick up a big stone and carry it on your shoulder and take it over to the shore, and then we're going to make another one. Mm-hmm. And in both cases, the, the, these, these memorials are set up so that they remember. It's the key word that you see there in Joshua chapter 4. I want you to remember this. And so years from now, when your children walk by, and maybe it's low tide and you can see the stones out in the water, or, or maybe you just pass by and you see the stones on the shore— I want you to tell your children what God did here. Mm. I, I want you to I want you to make faith real. I want you to make faith active. So uh, I, 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 I saw this as really living our faith today. So it's not just reading about something God did in the past. No, we're celebrating what God has done and is doing in my life. Yeah, you know, one. It's interesting that you mentioned about the History Channel because so many times. Uh, and and I believe I did this. I'm sorry, Pastor. I apologize for you now uh, or to you. Uh, I think I did this in this sermon. I googled the stones. Nice. Uh, but you know, so many times you talk about we talk about history and, and yeah. things, and when you see things, you you automatically like, oh, there it is, right there. You know, yep. and uh, so yeah, it it. Uh, well, you saw a picture of the monument. I think the one that's outside, isn't there? We still? have one on our campus. So, so as you walk well, by the Welcome Center, has got uh, just outside. It's got a memorial. But I'm stone saying, isn't the the stones that are on the shore are there still stones there today? Isn't there? Well, the the text says they're there to this day. So when when that, this that's text what was I, I, mean, I was actually I was yeah. trying to look for the text yeah. to quote it, but oh, so I couldn't right. get there I mean, fast right, enough. Right. But and I believe. Yeah. Which I've, verse is it? I've, I've been to Jericho, and you have too. Mm-hmm. I, whether or not I could identify the exact stones right, that were right. the yeah, set up, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But they were there. <laughs> There's a lot of stones out there. There's a lot of stones. So <laughs> they were there at that time. Um, and so the idea was um, 
don't forget. And maybe right. that's, maybe that is the lesson that, you know, there's a whole lot of stones here. So recognize those oh, right, th- yeah. that, that tell oh, the story yeah. of something God did and don't forget because otherwise they'll just blend in with all the other rocks on the shore. Yeah. Well, and, and you made the point of the Bible says, and they're still there today. That's what, that's kind of what I was getting at. I kind of babbled there, but that's mm-hmm. what I was getting at. Anytime the Bible says, and they're there today, I'm like, ooh, ooh, and well, I Google yeah. it. And yeah. when you can see it and it's like, just brings it more to life. Sure. It makes it real. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. But here's the thing. And, and this is what I was trying to apply from this passage. All of us as believers have seen God do great things. Yeah. And, when you talk about passing your faith on onto your children, which is part of what Joshua four is for, we need to we need to recognize the significance of that moment and and how do we mark that moment? Maybe you do it tangibly. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've known people who actually have stones of remembrance at their house, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. Yeah, maybe you just mentally or find some other way where you are um, physically tangibly. Um, memorializing that moment. So, so verse nine is the verse you were looking at. They're there to this day. So, so they had a physical set. Those mm-hmm. rocks are there. Um, but in our lives, how do you how do you mem- memorialize the things that God did? So, right. um, Deuteronomy chapter six, Moses instructed the children of Israel. I want you to talk about your faith with your children. I want you to talk mm-hmm. about yeah. it when you're walking on the way, when you rise up, when you when you lay down. It needs to be part of your conversation, talking yeah. about things God did. Yeah, and that and the way that the Israelites then would talk about their faith in the Lord was the things that they had experienced Him do yeah. for them moving forward. They didn't have a written text until well, that. That's debatable at some points, but essentially, when Moses comes around and then God, you know, writes the law and whatnot, then they have those things. But all they have are stories of mm-hmm. God's faithfulness right. to them. And so, I, in I'm thinking about my own life with little children, and one of the best ways we can communicate our faith as a family in the Lord is one through Scripture and right. proclaiming the gospel and those things, but also through. You know, this is a time in our life when we struggled financially, and then we saw the Lord yeah. bring us out of that. And this stories. is and this is how, and yeah, in, in, in in different ways, yep. and just being honest with our six year old daughter about, mm-hmm. you know, this is because she she asks sometimes questions, but why can't we buy that? We'll go. Well, this is kind of why, you know. Yep. And so then we'll mm-hmm. walk through it. And we'll also walk her through. But the Lord has been faithful, mm-hmm. and this is how. You know, right. you, you have a bed to sleep, and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is how those things came about yeah. and just being honest. And so they can see a real tangible way that a God that they can't see does work for us in this mm-hmm. physical world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Uh, and I was thinking about when you were saying that verse six doesn't say, if your children ask, it says when they when, ask, when, when the implication yeah. is that they're going to ask. Yeah. Oh, they will. Yeah. Yeah. They will. So Absolutely. they're going to ask. So use that occasion right. as an opportunity to mm-hmm. tell a yeah. story. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. No, that's really good. Really good. Moving on in chapter five, you talked about the virtue of the prolonged faithfulness. What did you mean there? Yeah, the idea there is that as you walk along your journey of faith, obedience over time. There's a there's a great book years ago, a long obedience in the same direction that you continue faithfully over time, um, uh, celebrating. In this case, physically marching. So the, the the context of what I was trying to cover in this passage really. Toward the end of, of, of Joshua chapter 5, where they, they meet the commander of the Lord's army, which, which is just a remarkable moment where 
this is what I believe we use. We use a fancy theological term, theophany, mm. or probably more specifically here, Christophany, which which is a tangible manifestation of Christ in the Old Testament. So I think the commander here is Christ. I think that's Jesus, and and so Joshua comes up to the commander, and uh, he says, you know, big guy, are you on our side? Or are you on the other team side? And he says, no, I'm I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Mm. This I didn't come here to be on your side. You can be on my side, but I'm the commander. So take your shoes off. This is holy ground. I want you to understand uh, uh, who you're who you're in the presence of. And so that's the that's the scene right before the conquest of Jericho, where God asked them to do something mundane. Mm in order for him to accomplish something miraculous. And so they walk around the walls. That's the virtue of prolonged obedience or faithfulness. They're just walking around the walls. They're getting their steps in. So for six days, they're just walking around the wall. You walk around, get up today, and we're going to walk around the wall. And then tomorrow we're going to get up and do it again. And then on, you know, on, on the seventh day, we're going to do it a whole bunch of times. So they're walking around the wall every day, and they get home, and the walls didn't fall. And tomorrow we're going to walk around the wall and, and, and go back home, and the walls didn't fall. In faith that somehow God's going to do something, I don't understand it. I'm not sure why we're walking around the wall because God, God hadn't really revealed to them what's going to happen. Hey, on you know, the, the seventh time on the seventh day, the walls are going to fall. All God said was just get up and walk around the wall, and then you trust that I'm going to do something. And so that was the point that I was trying to, trying to convey there, that, that prolonged faithfulness. Can I be faithful even when the walls haven't fallen yet? Okay, Even when I haven't seen God do something, whatever that something is. I haven't seen God uh, answer the prayer. I haven't seen God come through yet. I, I, I trust that God will. And so I'm just I'm just walking around the wall. And so the the text begins by establishing who's in charge. The Lord's in charge. And so here's what you do. You follow God's instructions. Take the ark, you walk around the wall, and when I tell you, shout really loud and just watch and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and I have a question about the text. Uh, so in Joshua 5, the end of it is this interaction with the commander of the Lord's army. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just, it ends with... Take off your sandals from your feet. This yeah. is a place that's yeah. holy where you're standing, which is what happened to Moses right. with the with the bush. Um, and so Joshua does it, and then chapter 6 goes right into, here's Jericho. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord tells Joshua what to do. So is it written that way, do you think, because this commander of the Lord is telling Joshua in chapter 6 what to do, or is, or is now, is this a separate episode this thing has happened. He's worshiping before the commander. We we, we believe it's. It. I I agree with you. It is a Christophany of of Christ mm-hmm. before his incarnation, and then he leaves. And then a couple of days later, and now we have chapter six. And then God speaks to Joshua and says, "What what what do you think?" Yeah, it's a fascinating question. And to be clear, the text doesn't say so. Yeah, in chapter six, verse two, the Lord said to Joshua, "Right." Uh, we don't have evidence that the commander in chapter five says. I walk into the land with you. I'm right. walking around the walls with you um, physically. Uh, most likely, Joshua sees the commander there. 
the commander says, this ground's holy. Okay, so the Lord's mm-hmm. not there because the ground's holy. The ground's holy because the Lord's there. Right. Uh, yeah, it wasn't holy before. Right? It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It's holy now because <laughs> yeah. I'm standing here. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's just the visual that Joshua has the privilege of seeing in that moment yeah. before we walk into that land. I'm here. Uh, and so then, yeah, the Lord sends them there and, and conveys to them the message. So how God uh, spoke in verse 2 the text doesn't explain. Yeah. Did God speak to Joshua in a dream? Did he speak audibly? Did he speak to a prophet? Right, yeah. Was it the commander? Right. The text doesn't say, and so um, the way I understand that is probably this is the commander in, in chapter 5, and Joshua sees the commander there, um, but it, it, it seems like um, he may have been the only one who actually had that encounter with the commander. Right. Uh, and then... Joshua is just leading, following the instructions. Yeah, that makes sense. If because I've heard, you know, different scholars and people talk about professors talk about um, the event in, with um, it's Moriah, right? Mount Moriah, where Moses encounters um, the Lord. Is that right? Well, Mount Sinai is where Moses encountered. Well, uh, Moriah is where Abraham. Oh, sorry. Moriah. Yeah. Whoop! I want a different thing. Yeah. So with the burning bush, um, mm-hmm. that it's the in the text it says that it's the angel of the Lord. Right. That speaks or stayed his hand, yeah, in 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 the bush, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, so which some have likened to also being a Christophany, Very the, well the could angel be. could be, yeah. And so, if we're just looking at the narrative, and then if we're reading Moses's story and then Joshua's story, mm-hmm. it's as if God is establishing even for the reader, this is the man that I have chosen mm. because I am showing myself to yep. him as I yep. showed myself to Moses. Right. And then now I will give him the, this is what you are to do moving forward. That's a great thought that I hadn't thought about that in the same way that, that Moses and, you know, in the cleft of the rock saw a, mm-hmm. a tangible manifestation yeah. of God. It's almost like his peripheral. It's like, Oh, what is that thing over there? Right. <laughs> so now Joshua in the presence of this divine figure. Yeah. It's a yeah, great, it's it, a great this is holy ground. The same, yep. it's, it's almost the same yep. thing that wow. the Lord told Moses. He's, hey, take your, take your sandals off. This yeah. is, and then after that episode, he then gives him instruction on what to do next. Yeah, yeah. and his instructions are just, yeah, follow what I said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what you have to do. Just, yeah. just do what I said. So take the ark and walk around. So that was the prolonged obedience. Is is yeah. is I'm I'm walking, uh, I'm I'm faithful, and I'm going to keep being faithful. Until God does, through my faithfulness, whatever God wants to do. Yeah. So moving on to chapter 7, this is interesting because they, Israel, in chapter 6, Jericho falls. Mm-hmm. And then immediately in the next chapter, in the next, we'll, we'll call it, episode of Israel's conquest of Canaan, they encounter an enemy that they can't defeat. And so, or at least the enemy defeats them. Right. So how do we... And the question that's posed here is, how do we get out of this valley of of trouble? Yeah, so I was using the play on words, and the Bible talks about this valley that was renamed the Valley of Trouble, named after a man that we meet uh, here uh, in the text named Achan, whose name means trouble, the Mm -hmm. troubler of Israel. So back up into chapter 6, what happened when they conquered Jericho? God gave them some very clear instructions This is the first. Remember, God gets the first. That's a biblical principle. God gets the first. Yeah, right. And so God said to Jericho, this is the first. Don't take anything. Everything in there is mine. Uh, God has a right to claim whatever God wants to claim because he owns everything. And so God said of Jericho, don't take anything. And all right, so Achan did. 
Uh, yeah. And what yeah. happened was God brought judgment on the nation mm-hmm. um, because of the sin of a man. And, and, and there's a whole, a whole lot of uh, interesting applications or metaphors or ap- uh, things that you can draw from that because the reality is most of the people didn't know Achan took stuff. They found out later. Uh, but they go, so they go to this this smaller city uh, and and lose a battle that they had no business losing, and find out later. Well, the reason is because you were disobedient, and and mm. and and you can see people thinking or scratching their head. Well, I didn't do that. Yeah, but he did. Yeah, and and his sin brought trouble. That was the whole point about how, how do you how do you get out of trouble? So this is not a message about how to get out of trouble with your spouse. This is <laughs> this is a point about how do you get out of spiritual trouble when I'm yeah. when I'm in that valley of trouble. I've I've either I've committed this sin or I'm I'm suffering because of the consequences of someone else's sin and that's mm-hmm. the that's the, the the tragic reality that that a nation and and many of those who lost their lives suffered because of his sin. And so they didn't lose because of the size of AI. They didn't lose because, you know, they had better military weapons or strategy. They lost because they sinned. And so God says, you're going to be in this valley until you get it right. You see all throughout the Old Testament, and it even happens in the New Testament, actually, that when God gives a command to not do something, he is really specific and does not play around with, I mean, Adam and Eve, yep. don't eat this one thing. That's all you got, right? And then they do it, and then we see the yep. result yep. of that. One tree. Uh, you need all the others, just not that one. Exactly, right. yeah. With this instance, don't take from the foot, just don't do it. Right. And then one person does, and they all, I believe it, uh, we, on on a Wednesday night, you've walked through really recently, is it Hezekiah? Is he the one that lets Babylon into the treasury and they can right, see? Right, And that's that's a that's a no no. That's right. That's a big no no from the Lord. And and what happens? They get ransacked. That's right. And they get taken into captivity. Um, and that because of that mishap in judgment. That's right. Um, uh, and then with I think it's Ananias and Sapphira mm-hmm. in Acts, mm-hmm. they're they're killed because of their right. disobedience right. and they're lying. Yeah, you see you see throughout Scripture, uh, sometimes immediate consequences of sin, but you also see instances where other people are sometimes affected by someone else's sin. So think about the story of Jonah. Jonah's in a boat, Mm -hmm. and he's sinned. He ran from the Lord, and the boat is in peril, and everybody on board that boat is in peril, not because of their sin, um, but but they were in peril because of Jonah's sin. So they were all suffering consequences because of his sin. Now, they probably all had sin as well. But in that moment, they were suffering consequences of his. Uh, and, and that's the sad reality. And, and when you look at the text in, in, in chapter 7, verse 21, he didn't take that much. I mean, he took change of clothes and a little bit of money. Not that much. Enough mm-hmm. that he could hide mm-hmm. it in his tent. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it wasn't that I, you know, I'm taking enough to get rich. I, I just got attracted by, you know, a, a small little thing, and 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 that little thing, you know, we, we sometimes maybe we we justify sin in our lives. Well, it's just a little thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a little thing, but 
you see the response in verse 22. Joshua sent messengers and they ran. Yeah. Okay. We got to fix this right now. Yeah. Uh, so so there's a there there's a there's a turn at, as you get to the end of Joshua chapter 7 where we confess our sin, we cry out to the mm-hmm. Lord, we we remove that sin and that's how you get out of the valley. You turn yeah. back to the Lord. Yeah, you see that even there are decades of national unrest mm-hmm. in Israel starting with Saul and then his disobedience to the right. Lord and then how that affects even leading into David's kingship mm-hmm. and his sin we know with Bathsheba and how that affects even his own family right. mm-hmm. and Israel is just in this state for decades of just national there's just That's within right. within the inner workings of their government it's just they're killing each other and mm-hmm. so uh, yeah and so there's 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 a lot to learn from 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 that yeah and the interesting thing is you get to the very last verse of Joshua chapter 7 mm. they name the place valley of Achor again same phrase to, to this, this day, day. We mm-hmm. still call that the Valley of Acor. That's where the trouble started. Right. Yep. And so that was intended to be another memorial. Yeah. Where that's where that happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's good. Right. Absolutely. Well, this is where we're going to kind of land the plane on this episode. We've talked about the first six sermons in Pastor Darren's Living Courageously. It's been a study of the book of Joshua. Again, you can find all these sermons on our YouTube page. Just go to YouTube, look for Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. You can see these as well as all of his sermons. Any final words on uh, the first six here? Well, this has been a fun study for me to to, to walk through the very real-life journey of faith that the applications become tangible for all of us in our spiritual journey. Wherever you go, you're facing things you haven't seen before. You just follow God's word and you circle back to the first thing that God told Joshua, just keep following my word. Mm -hmm. And that's the application we take from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Once again, thanks for joining us here on Life After Sunday. Make sure you join us for the next episode where we will cover sermons 7 through 10 plus the final episode. We may talk about that in the next one as well. Once again, thanks for joining us, Aaron. It's been another great one. Glad you are here as well. Mm -hmm. We'll see you next time on Life After Sunday. If what you have heard today has been helpful and encouraging to you, then please leave a review with five stars. If you'd also like to request future topics for discussion, then please email us at sfbclifeaftersunday at gmail.com. And now a word from Dr. Darren Biles, pastor of Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast, Life After Sunday, a podcast ministry from Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. We are delighted that you have joined us today. I want to make a special invitation to you to come be our guest this coming Sunday or any Sunday at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Our address is 3018 North Beltline. We would be delighted for you, for your family to come worship with us. Our Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9 o'clock. Our worship service starts at 1030. We have Sunday school for all ages. We would love to meet you, have you a part of our church family. We'll look forward to seeing you. It is my honor to serve as the pastor, and I'll look forward to seeing you at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Life After Sunday is a podcast brought to you by Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. I'm Ed Petty along with Aaron Allen. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and join us again next week on Life After Sunday.